Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Oh, here it goes. We played in half with myself, Jude, and my dude, Scully. That was funny. That was funny. What are you going on about? Well, yeah, man. We're in halves today. But it's okay. Like Everyone's got reasonable reasons as to why they're not here today. However, today we are presented with Played in Full, episode 15. Where today we'll be talking about a few things, a few new releases, things that we've been watching, and also probably like the biggest event I would say coming this week. Top Boy, the Definitely final, Boy. the fifth, or rather the third, but the fifth and final season. Uh, we, we should probably apologize for being away, man. We left the people hungry in these summer streets, man. People were coming up to me asking when the next episode of the bodies. <laughs> yeah. No, real, real facts. I was I was working. I was in other places. And people was were it? legit coming up to me saying, yo, like, where's where's the pod, man? Like, what's going on? Like, how come you ain't dropped in two weeks? I was like, oh, sorry. Like, you know, in gym like just, just asked about the pod. But yeah, like, summer was actually, summer hasn't been like the the greatest in terms of weather, but I feel like it's presented many opportunities to just be doing things. And, you know, I feel like at our age, so many like life events have been going on, including like weddings, stag dues, birthdays, really important birthdays and just like gatherings that is, yeah, just have had everyone in that holiday mode. Like this time of year, there's always loads of plans and things going on. So yeah, we decided to go on a little holiday, but we're back. I got here by a car. There's that. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the story. Do you want to explain to... Nah, not really. I like the mysteriousness about, about it. I like how people are like, yeah, what happened to him? I'm like, no, don't worry about it. I'm good, don't worry about it. Oh, that is I, jokes. I'm Oi. out here. No that need to worry me. about it. No, that reminds me. That's basically an adult version of... Remember, like, in primary school, when, like, uh, you might, like, um get a cut or something on your, your arm and they don't want to be they don't want it to be exposed so they'll give you that little hand bandage thing where it's got like the little hole that will cut open for your thumb <laughs> and, again, yeah. and yeah you'll end up looking like like a like an amateur version of of Jeff Hardy you just look like a <laughs> yeah. Hardy boy and I used to love that I used to always I used to even have a home one I'll go to school with sometimes and just have that mystique of like oh what happened to what happened to your arm man no like, no I can't take it off <laughs> no one told me nothing but yeah, that's me. But yeah, man, on to the actual topics at hand. Like, first and foremost, this is a, a film and TV podcast, if you guys didn't notice. If you're um, new here, you're not true here, nah, tell a lie. If you're new here, you can still be real. 
I take that back. Yeah, that was. <laughs> that was new listeners, man. That was, <laughs> that was everything and nothing at once. You know, it took him in a, a full circle there, but. Nah, yeah, I'm he... gonna hate, but why would I help the new man? I'm glad you, they can join us on this journey. <laughs> Listen, it's a journey to just understanding this film world in full, I'd say. But yeah, man, like, I think the the best thing to probably talk about is what have you been watching? It's been it's been a while, and obviously with the whole the strikes and everything going on, loads of naturally loads of releases have been delayed. Loads of things have been like reconfigured, so we've been left in a kind of sparse state when it comes to the content that we usually love? I have been watching so much. Like, obviously, I'm working from home at the moment and mm. I'm watching so many series. If you have series or films to recommend me, please, get at me. This is the time to get at me. Mm-hmm. I have been watching... So my favourite book when I was a kid, in terms of, like, you know, like... Young adult fiction, stuff people love. You know, a lot of people love Harry Potter. I don't, I don't love Harry Potter because as a child, I read a lot of books. I was in the library all the time. I was reading adult books, teen books, kid books. Like, I just felt like I had a good grasp. On literature, and I was just, I, I thought Harry Potter was cool. I thought the world building was cool, but I didn't love it as a book. I just think it was the best in it. So, um, there was a book I really loved, or a trilogy, rather, called His Dark Materials by a guy called Philip Pullman. That was my favourite ever book. And I remember they tried to make a film when I was like in my when I was like 16, 17. And the film was the film was like calm, but it wasn't amazing. Like it never took off the way they wanted it to. They wanted it to franchise it and it to rival Harry Potter and it just didn't. But the BBC and HBO linked up in like 2017, 18 to make a TV series out of it. So three seasons, each season being one of the books. Uh-huh, I remember that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you got um, you got my man in it. Oh, what's his name? Uh Professor X. I forgot his name all of a sudden. That is really bad. Quality actor. I can't believe this. Where's my uh, Bro, Ian? I... Ian? Ian? Nah, not the old one. Not the old Professor X. The new Professor X. Oh, James McAvoy. James McAvoy. James... Oh, okay, okay. That's his name. James McAvoy is a part of wow. it. You've got Alice from Luther. I believe her name's Ruth Morgan. You have um, a cameo from the girl who ends up playing... Bella Ramsey is her name. The girl who ends up being the lead girl from Last of Us and she's in House of Dragons. She has a cameo in season two, like a really important one. Like, there's just so many good actors in it. Like, yeah. through, like throughout it, you've got um, the guy who plays Mary Moriarty in Sherlock and Fleabag, um, the Reverend. He is a legendary actor, Andrew Scott. Bro, it is it has got like the penultimate that BBC drama. We've got the top actors who get Hollywood films and they do HBO shows where they're coming out for this BBC show and it slaps, like it actually absolutely slaps. Like it brings the book to life really well. Like there's elements of it, because it is a young adult book, yeah. There's elements of it that sometimes I'm like, that feels a bit not childish, but like, you know, there's a type of corny that's acceptable when you're under 20 because you're mm-hmm. under 20. Yeah. That does exist in this show because it is a book that was a young adult fiction. Like that. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, it is genuinely really good. I'm actually surprised. I feel like that series was bigger in America than it was here, which is really interesting because the books were really popular. They won lots of awards, lots of acclaim. Like I said, loads of great actors in this show. Yeah, I, I just recommend everyone to go watch that. That's what, probably my favourite thing I've been watching. 
at the moment. I've watched Fairfax, which is a really funny cartoon like that like kind of spins like hype beast consumerism, like mm-hmm. that kind of culture, like Supreme, Off White, all of that. It takes the piss out of them. That it's like an adult cartoon. Another one called Captain Fool on Netflix. Uh Snabakash, which people call the Swedish top boy. There's there was an original film like 15 years ago. I watched that. Yeah. And I like the film, and this is like a, a retelling of the film in like a more modern style. And it's like I love Snabakash. I I generally think Snabakash season one and two might be as good as the last two seasons of Top Boy, mm. potentially. Like they just managed to tell that it, they managed to tell that gangster story quite well, but quite realistically. And the fact that it's Swedish, it has that like. The cultural nuance, like the, just a little difference in like, oh, we do things like this over here. We do things like that, which you don't necessarily get throughout the world. Do you get it? Like sometimes yeah. you watch you watch shows and they're very obviously, I'm trying to be from like nowhere, which I think sex education does really well. Sex education, you can't tell if that's in Wales, if it's in London, if it's in Casablanca, that it's supposed to have no location. So it's universal. Mm-hmm. Or sometimes they're so hyper focused, it might be difficult to get into. Yeah, I think Snabakash manages to sh- tell the gangster story and make it like really accessible while also paying attention to the little like cultural nuances. Like obviously, the ethnic population in Sweden is yeah. more so Syrians and Somalis more so than it is like just and Congolese people more so than it is like West African. So there's a few East African influences, a few like North African influences, yeah. and it goes through that like everybody there, whether Swedish, Somali, Congolese, or or like Moroccan, they all use Arabic slang. Like to they add refer- to that, if I could say, um, with my very unstudied take, correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. it's like that because of the the migration and the movement especially like in the the 90s and early thousands, like through like refugees coming mm-hmm. from that side of like those parts of Africa, like during the civil wars and, and such. So yeah, like it, it does make sense that it would have such a different spin and twist in it. It's, it's quite even similar to, to Norway. And that also reminded me yeah. of the show that you, um, this is a show called The Playlist. You've probably heard of that, right? I don't. I think I've heard of it, but I'm not watching Spot, it. The Spotify one, the Spotify show. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah yes. Yeah. Imagine I watched. I basically binged that when I was in Amsterdam with my cousin, and we just like started it. And it's a very intense show, and shows like the. It shows like the journey of the the founder, the working culture in Sweden, the different things that they have to go to because even though it's much more of a culturally reserved society back then they had like a influx of like tech tech workers and people well people working in tech who are trying to compete with silicon valley so they're they're trying to invest into so many different things in order to yeah just build like a company that's able to compete against like a facebook uh an apple and yeah it was just mm-hmm. really really interesting but yeah as you said the different kind of nuances in swedish like storytelling and filmmaking is really interesting to see definitely definitely there's a lot of things i enjoy i was even 
Yeah, I watched that. Well, the most important thing that I watched this week, it actually leads me quite lately, quite quite nicely, sorry, into what I saw yesterday. There was a trailer, I was in Curzon. I'm not going to say which Curzon, I'm going to share with you in the group chat when we get off the podcast, because it was dead quiet, first of all. Like, it was literally three people in the show that went to, like, yeah. three of us. And it was amazing. Like, I loved it. Yeah. And it was actually really nice in the world. So I'm not going to share where I was. There was a trailer for a film. I actually can't pronounce it. It was about, um, it was about Nepalese people who'd moved to a little village, I believe. Um, I want to say in Sweden, in Sweden. Um, but I'm going to have a double check. It might have been like Romania or something like that. It was like really intense, really amazing. I really liked it. I need to find the name of the film. But mm. I saw that that trailer on my way in to see Scrapper, which once won at Sundance. Scrapper, I think, is probably the most emotive film that I've watched this year. Like I can't talk it up enough. Like in terms of, it's not necessarily the best film. Like in terms of like everything altogether, obviously people have watched Oppenheimer recently. People love Oppenheimer, right? And that's a great film because it's like you've got the best actors, some of the best like shooting techniques, that's all of this stuff. But Scrapper, and obviously they're not to be compared because they're not the same type of film, but Scrapper manages to use some really original techniques here yeah, and condense all of this dialogue into really human moments. And like you watch it, and it it like it reminds you so much of your own youth and what it is to be young, and like what it's like to grow up, and you just you're just supremely overwhelmed by like positive and negative emotions in a good way. Like it's so honest. I think it might be a really British film. I'm not sure if. Like, you know, like an American watch it might not get it. Obviously, it won at Sundance, so maybe they will. And maybe I'm being unfair. But it is super, super, super British. Oh, my days. So I'm just by the window when we're recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a super, super British film. It features Harris Dickinson, who is from um, mm-hmm. Triangle Sadness, the, the male lead from that. He's from East London, which I didn't know. The film is based in East London. There's a little girl, I think her name is Louise Campbell, who's the lead in it. Mm-hmm. Bruv, everything about this film is like, it's like, uh, you know, polite society, it has some of yeah. the like imaginativeness and creativity of that, like in terms of like unique fantasy bits just thrown in into a really human, normal story. And then that dialogue that is just the ultimate, imagine prime Jacqueline Wilson but for adults. Mm. And like, the soundtrack is very, like, you can tell the guy who wrote it and the guy who directed it or the woman, whoever, I'm not I'm not sure. I'm, like, you can tell that they're in their 30s. Like, it opens up with the streets and it plays music from eras of when we were, like, 10 to 15. Yeah. So well scored. Like, oh, man. I just want everyone to go see it. Like, if you're listening to this pod, I think it's only going to be in cinema, like, for, like, two weeks. So if you get a chance, Go and see it. It's that good, man. It's that good. Um, I, I'm thinking about starting Letterbox just because I saw it. <laughs> that is a brilliant explanation. That has made me want to see it even more. And 
as we saw, like, I think I was even sitting with you at a screening when we saw that trailer for the first time. And we both mm-hmm. said, that looks like an amazing film. That looks like something that we could definitely, you know what I mean, could definitely run with. And yeah, that even just reminds me, like I watched two very British films, films that one was kind of of a reminder to myself because I watched it quite young. And when I was at an age where I wasn't just applying life in the way that I do now, you know, as an adult, which was Bullet Boy. I rewatched that. Mm, Second was a film called County Lines that came out in 2019. And this film was actually very, very touching to me because it kind of it kind of set me back. If people or listeners of the pod don't know, um, when I was 13 years old, I was actually expelled from school and I had to attend a PRU, which is a pupil referral unit. And County Lands is a film that follows a, a student. Um, I think his name is Marcus. Yeah, his, his name is Marcus. It follows a student who ends up involved in county lines and he was also kicked out of school but it doesn't entirely explain that but even through the first the first scene which is kind of like a a teacher or a social support worker that was working with him she asked him a question about a considerable loss and what it means within like business a considerable loss is something that you're willing to lose, whether it's like an, an investment or a, a soldier. And that's what she kind of contrasted him with as someone that is involved in the county lands. And I felt like it's a very, a very poignant point to open the film. And it just sets you off on a journey in which you're understanding how the child becomes like this, you mm. know, like through through the grooming, through the the setup and the foundations of this little kind of community that he's found himself a part of or rather absorbed in. And it, yeah, just it just made me think of so many different moments from my kind of childhood. And I always saw it in a way where I could see characters like like this all around me. You know, like very Yeah man, I think characters. No, I think with stuff like County Lines and with Scrapper, it's important to humanise people. I think we live currently, like, the, the political climate, not to take it too deep, but the climate is one that, like, demonises us, right? And, like, mm-hmm. says, yo, working-class people, some of them are just... It's actually really archaic. It's, like, proper 1800s. It's, like, these working-class people just steal and steal drugs and they do whatever because they yeah. want to, like... They, and it's, like, no, they're, they're, they're in precarious positions due to the lifestyle they're forced into whether that's because of like the political climate or economic situations whatever it is and they're just trying to make their way and I thought find like films like this really remind you what it means to just to exist man like how hard it is just to exist to simply be here and like that humanization I just think is so important because there's probably people who might be middle class they might be upper class they've never really thought of life in that way They've never seen that, and they'll watch these films, and they'll like, like hopefully gain some understanding, yeah. gain some empathy, and be like, "Wow, like I didn't know this; these situations were that piece. I didn't know this kind of stuff was going on, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera. Do you know why I also think this is very important that we 
get to humanize people in this way and show the realities behind these stories is because as someone who's a writer and we're both creators, right? So we normally are told by so many different people who we know have experienced things like this, like these stories would take on these people's like type on their lives Mm -hmm. for us we know them and what their capabilities are, but these are the type of people that will probably tell us that they can't do what we do in terms of telling stories. With my kind of rebuttal to that is we all need to be able to tell stories. We all have a necessary story to tell. So when you're looking at films like Scrapper, for me, through the trailer, they look like two very normal characters, but mm-hmm. through through the situations that I'm not sure what they've, they've gone through, but I'm expecting that to reveal a very humane side that is going to touch me and evoke like so many different feelings and thoughts to understand how they got to this situation and what it would take to to get out of it and yeah i feel like that's what it's all about it's all about the humanistic appeal attached to these products and work and that's why for me like this is it's so important especially to raise these type of films alongside the big blockbusters, you know? Definitely. I think one thing people forget that film is an amazing, like, medium for. Like, I love a blockbuster, yeah. I'm not ever going to say I don't, yeah. But, like, it's all about telling stories. Like, it's all about communicating things and being able to help people have new thought patterns, you know, experience things, think, feel things. Like, cool like yeah i like a michael bay action film with some explosions and that sometimes that's what i need a little bit of escapism but sometimes i need something like scrapper that is gonna make me think of my childhood and inspire me be like reopen my eyes almost and be like yo like you're here because of this or you want to go and do this and yeah man film is it's a powerful medium a very powerful medium man Mm, no i hear you i hear you you know what? That just that just sent a thought through my head, and I think I'll probably ask this, and we can move on to our next, you know, uh, point mm-hmm. of discussion. What would you say in terms of indie films that is loosely around the same idea, in comparison to a blockbuster film that is a much better film? What do you mean? That you sounds yes, <laughs> yeah. I need to rephrase that. Is there a blockbuster film that you look at and you think there's an indie film that is basically the same story but works so much better? The best example to give is probably everything, everywhere, all at once and one of the multiversal ideas from Marvel. So I would... Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the madness for... Yeah. Oh, that's a good question, you know. Probably should have saved that one for later. That's a really good question. Because, yeah, there's some there's some that are watching. It's like, yeah, this reminds me of that, but this done this on, a, on such a, a better scale. So say, for example, Rock and Roller is one of my favorite films, right? And mm-hmm. sometimes I might look at like a, well, Fast and Furious is a franchise and always do well. But in terms of the storytelling, what they invest in the, the film, the writing, the amount that goes into that film, like, Rock and Roller, I would say, is better than probably nine of the Fast and Furiouses. You know what I mean? Yep, yep. yep. It's like there's probably I, only I one 
one film that is better than that. And they kind of have like similar premises. There's, there's cars and in, in that involved, but like action, there's mm-hmm. exploitation. There's someone that you need to find out. Like how many yeah. times has Dom, has Dom been sent to do someone's dirt and he's found out it's been my man who was fucking up, fucking him up all along. You know what I mean? Like, I but think yeah. Napoleon Dynamite. Napoleon Dynamite, mm-hmm. there's a lot of comedy films that have tried to do the like, I'm in high school, I'm awkward, like, yes. I'm not a jock, but I want to be popular, like, so many. Napoleon Dynamite nailed it. Napoleon Dynamite is still relevant in 2023. That came out, I think, maybe the year I was born. Like, that mm-hmm. is a really old film, and it is like, yeah, that's up there, I would say, for me. I would say uh, Kick Ass and Shazam. Kick Ass, yeah. Like, I, I felt like Shazam took so many elements of Kick-Ass, like the certain scenes, maybe like a car park fight fight type of scene, like how he kind of interacts with people on the floor. They try to cement it in that, hey, I'm still a normal kind of guy thing, but it just doesn't it doesn't hit like that. I did like the first Shazam, though. It was okay. But Kick-Ass, yeah, one and two. Good, yeah. yeah, blew you out of the water. I was going to say, I was going to say, it actually leads me nicely to the next one. Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. I yes. don't know if that's an indie film as such, but I definitely know it's not like a blockbuster, mm-hmm. or it's not like as big as certain blockbusters. And I think that is better than most superhero films. I feel like, like back in could, the day, when that dropped over every DC film, mm-hmm. you could, you actually yes, could. Like, I feel like back in the day when that dropped, yeah, you were a cool kid if you knew that film and you watched it. You know what it's I mean? Cold, yeah, I hear it. And there was, um, oh, what was the other one I was just gonna say? Scott Pilgrim versus the world, and um, nah, I keep going. I forgot what it was, but yeah, independent films, man. You're right, and they always inspire a wave. Like people always want to do that a bunch of films. Okay, yep, yep. And it's 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 mad. It's like it works its way back into that part, but doesn't actually support those filmmakers. Because I'll be honest, like I think around like two thousand and. Well, always the the big names growing up, like the Scorsese's, the Steven Spielberg's, and and that of the world, they always appeal to me because yeah, big names. But thinking about it, we actually grew up in an era where, like in the late nineties, it's not like Nolan had the biggest name. We yeah. watched that name rise and become the thing mm-hmm. it is become, and it's like now we we notice what who, who's directing this. Sometimes even who's the the screenwriter. The cinematographer, if Hans yeah. Zimmer, if Hans Zimmer's doing that, the score or not, you know what I mean? Like we notice all of these little things. But I feel like back then, we we're in a time where like the indie kind of wave, not many of them got to transition into being big filmmakers. But mm. I'm feeling like that is kind of changing a bit. It's like loads of these bigger companies are more willing to dive in and say like, hey will give you this in order to produce that. It might be totally different results, like um, Chloe Zhao with Eternals, for example. Mm. For like she yeah. just added a whole... You want to scale up. Mm-hmm. You want to scale up, but how do you scale up without affecting... Well, the MCU is the MCU, in it? So it's that type of story. But I do want to see a lot of these type of filmmakers get the, the bigger bag to just do their thing that much more, you know? Mm. I... Um... The last one I want to drop here, I'm literally searching to see if it's um, independent because I'm not sure it technically is, but I know that it doesn't have a huge budget. 
Mm-hmm. Two, in fact, two, there's two. The most obvious answer is Blair Witch Project because that changed everything. Everybody wanted to record on like Howard Hank cameras because of the Blair Witch Project. And last, mm-hmm. I think that had a budget of like 500k, something tiny like that. And then the other one I was going to say is 28 Days Later with Christopher Eccleston and Cillian Murphy by Danny Boyle. Like 28 Days Later changed just as far as I can see, the zombie genre as a whole. Like, yeah. they had super fast zombies running around, the references to Big Brother, like, all of this stuff, like, it was, like, incredibly modern, but also, like, just a really cool... Like, I'm not a huge fan of horrors, but I like zombie films. Yeah. And 28 Days was, like, completely revolutionary. Like, it felt like... It was just, like, yo, you made this scene so real. Like... Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was British and they were filming like locations you'd know, but like make it deserted by filming super early or super late. Yeah, yeah, yeah man, that is that's a crazy small budget film that became a huge hit. That is a madness, bro. We we could do a whole series of that. I feel like yeah, well, yeah. Honestly, that is a a big big discussion. But yeah, man, like um, we actually went to see a film before we went on our break and. It was it was pretty great. It was it was really fun, and it was called the Blackening. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the PR companies, man. If you're listening to this and you work PR, please continue to send us invites and stuff, man. Man, no, we're no, always no. going to be off- we're always going to be honest on this pod, <laughs> by the way. Like, yeah. if the films are not good, we're gonna say yeah. So this is not a hey, shout out to <laughs> to go to your films. We're gonna say it great. No, for work. real. Yeah, no. But, so yeah, carry on. Nah, the butt was just but oh, this film. <laughs> yeah, no, that's yeah, film. but this film is actually was actually great. Which is the Blackening, which came out in twenty twenty two, actually, and um, Did it's it basically out in a black. I didn't know that. Yeah, like um, it came out in twenty twenty two, but obviously American release, and then it came out here. So I know quite a few people who've done the dirty deed of streaming. The Blackening, mm-hmm. but I was actually waiting for it to come out because I feel like a film like this will always be good and well watched with a cinema full of black people, preferably okay. at Crystal Palace, uh, Surrey Keys, Peckham, or a screening like we got to go to. Fortunately, so mm-hmm. these a lot of these PR companies, like, big up them, big up, yeah, big up all of them. I would say they're doing like the the good work of getting a lot of kind of like black creatives, film reviewers into these these viewings anyway. So yeah, man, pretty sick. But anyway, it was directed by Tim Story and written by Tracy Oliver and Dwayne Perkins, who also played a member of the cast. And yeah, man, like, what did you think of it? I personally, so I like horrors, like. Mm-hmm. Well, no, no, tell a lie, tell a lie. I like comedy horrors. I don't like horrors in general. Like, horrors in general really? are not my bag. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not like, against them. So, obviously, CJ, CJ's not on the pod today, mainly because he didn't watch the film, and he hates mm-hmm. horrors. Little bitch. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what? I might be a double little bitch, because you know me. I'm not really, like, I won't rush the film if it's 5.5 on IMDb, and it's, it's comedy, but I know it might make me stupid laugh. I won't, I won't rush for that. And I'm also not someone that's like, oh, I see a horror thing in the, a horror trailer in the cinema and I'm like, oh, I really want to watch that. It's probably one out of 10 that hits for me. 
But yeah, yeah I, I didn't you. know. I thought you were much more. I thought you were you're someone that likes horror, horrors. No, no, I'm not really into horrors, but I'll watch them if they're super seminal, like stuff like like the Blair Witch Project, yeah. or like Cloverfield, or um, oh, what's that other one? Uh, Paranormal Activity. Like I've seen, I've seen the majority of them only because, like, some Bro. of them, a lot of horror directors end up being the directors for the next decade that get the blockbusters because they're the people who, like we're saying, will take small budgets and make something like that will become part of the cultural zeitgeist. So then studios are like, right, you're sick. Like, let's give you 5 million, 10 million, see what you do with that. But, um, yeah, uh, I've, I've seen a lot of the 90s horrors. But I I've, love got, I've got a headache. I've got a headache that, that you'll probably be able to solve. I know my brother and my sister will be able to solve this in probably a minute because we watched this so many times together. But mm-hmm. what is that horror film where it's like five or five youths and they're trapped in like an underground bunker and they can't get out. Cabin in the Woods? Is that it? Is I'm that not it? sure. It can't be. It can't be. Underground can't be bunker. bunker. It's, a, it's like an underground bunker and they're in it, in it. And like they end up essentially picking each other off before help comes and relieves them from being inside the bunker. Hmm. Um, is it funny? Though? To, is, is it funny? It's it's not funny. It's it's more okay, kind of really can't, creepy. It can't be cabin in the woods. It can't be cabin in the woods because that's a little bit of a. Oh no, cabin in the woods is really recent. I'm talking. This is old school. This is an old school. Old horror. school. I'm not even sure. You know, picking each other off. Yeah. That sounds but, interesting. Nah, you're gonna have to ask your brother. Oh yeah. man. But I like. It might be the hole. The Do you whole, remember the hole? It's it's the hole. Oh my days! The hole that makes sense though. That makes sense. No wait, is uh, is it the hole? Is it British? No. Okay. No, it's not the hole. It's not the hole. You know when you get excited when you see. <laughs> That is hilarious. I saw that. I saw the post and I was like, "It looks like the Utes because there was like four white Utes." But <laughs> yeah, like I don't, I don't think. Yeah, that's that's not it. That's not it. I will find it and I'll get back to you on that one. But let's get back to the blackening. So yeah, yeah. man, I I I'll... thought it was great, bro. I I can't lie. I I knew it was going to be funny, but for me, something has to be something's really funny when it's consistently hitting like scene after scene and there's not much of a breakup you know what I mean when I'm generally yeah. feel like I've laughed consistently throughout a film which is very hard to do like it's it's funny <laughs> it's funny <laughs> like, yeah it's hard it's hard to it's hard to tickle me man but I think what I loved about this the most was I can tell when a black cast is just black put on set and they're basically encouraged to just act natural. Like, what would you do in this situation? Mm-hmm. It becomes more of like a an improv type of session. And I can imagine whilst fi- filming, even if you don't get those one or two takes, it becomes that much stronger. And specifically Dwayne Perkins, who I think he also played, played Dwayne in the... Yeah, he played Dwayne in in the film. I think he was I think he was brilliant. He might have been like my favorite 
performance out of the whole cast. And obviously he's like um he's like the the gay best friend of one of the girls, Lisa, Ooh. who's playing by Antoinette Robertson. I'm not sure if well, I think people remember her from like Block Party and Dear White People as well. She did play um, a character in Atlanta as well, I think, for a, cute, a few episodes. But you know what I mean? The cast, I think it really just like shone through and they really enjoyed it. That is one of my big markers, although I do think it's like more of a a personal pleasure, especially with this type of film. But yeah, I do. you did say one thing before the film started. You did say you felt like you knew how this was going to pan out. And I was like, yeah, but I'm hoping a few different things that happen in comparison to like is, a conventional slasher. Do you know what it is? Um, the, the film really takes a lot of hits for So I love um, Scary Movie, as in the comedy, horror, like series of films, Scary Movie, and even mm-hmm. Airplane, and that whole genre of like slapstick, ridiculous parody films. I'm, I'm Generally, anyway, I like a comedy. Like, I would love to watch a comedy. You're talking about your Voyager film, which is 5.5 on IMDb. I watched Shotgun Wedding the other day. I knew that film was going to be awful. And it was, like, not highbrow at all. But also, there was funny moments in it. And I enjoyed watching it on my Sunday evening. You get it, like? Mm-hmm. And um, I could tell The Blackening was going to be a return to that kind of, like, mid-level film that is not necessarily trying to get all of the artistic acclaim, the critical acclaim for being, like, some form of high art. I feel like we're very like stuck in cinema, or he had been for the last few years. Yeah. Which is why the independent film convo was quite interesting because we've been stuck between blockbusters and films that are aching for critical acclaim for a while. Yeah, definitely. And we're we're returning to the mid-level film, and I could see that this would be one of those. And by mid-level, I don't even say mid-level. I don't want to use that because the connotations of mid right now in twenty twenty three. Are wrong and I wouldn't say the film is mid I, but what I mean by that is it's not the biggest budget and it's not aiming to get like you know like uh, Roger Roger Ebert's like five stars most critically acclaimed film of the year it's just yeah. a film that is fun and funny that mm-hmm. you will enjoy with your friends and we need more of those films we've lost like that kind of Judd Apatow generation of like comedies yep. this looked exactly like this and and it took loads of hints of, like I was saying, those classic 90s like slasher horror, horror films like um, Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer. Yeah. Now, I Know What You Did Last Summer is one of the few like slasher horrors I actually like. And I don't know why I like it. I think it just used to be on BBC Two a lot when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Like, it used to, like, yeah, always really used to be on. And I, like, never really, like, I've always had a bad sleeping pattern as a kid. So I always mm-hmm. used to, like, be up watching this type thing. And yeah. as soon as it started, the way the friends were, like, getting together with this, I was like, spoiler alert, by the way, spoiler alert, I was like, oh, this film is going and treading almost the exact same ground, the exact same premise as that film. Yeah. But it was fine because it's not about the horror plot. It's not about, yeah. like, that to me did not have to be unique because what mm-hmm. what is unique about it is the way how it spins that lens and makes it about black people. Like, how would yeah. black people be in that situation? Yeah, like, exactly that. Yeah, and I think it does it well. It does it well without it being corny. And also, another thing that I've not seen in a lot of films, I feel like when we were younger, there was, let's call it monolithic blackness. 
the world expected way to be black. Yeah. 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 And what we're seeing as we grow older is the different facets of blackness and mm-hmm. how blackness it has multiple forms in the same way masculinity does and gender and yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. Moonlight. I <laughs> but oh, I think that's I important. Shout out, yeah. Shout out, man. But shout I think that's important. Moonlight. I think, I think, being able to exist in different forms and not having to conform to one thing is is sick and it's important. I think the blackening shows that quite well. Like we're saying, you've got that the the middle class black person, the biracial, the gay best friend. Like it has all of these characters who are all super different. Yeah, but like. They are all black. Like that yeah. is the bottom line. Like they're all black, and I think mm-hmm. that is that's it, man. Like because if I think if this film was fifteen years older, some of those characters are cut because they are said to not fit the black experience. And 100%. I think that's unfair. Yeah, hundred percent. And yeah, that's what that's what I also just really loved about the film. I just mm. noticed we didn't really give everyone the premise, but I guess they can guess. So just going to read over the premise, which is the film follows a group of black American friends staying at a cabin in the woods where they are targeted by a mass killer during Juneteenth. And obviously Juneteenth is uh, a celebration that takes place, that takes place in America. It's a federal holiday. Usually takes place on, well, always takes place on a June the 19th and yeah like um just celebrates the emancipation proclamation in texas just thought yes. it was good to know you know i like i like those type Juneteenth. of mm-hmm. no i'm just gonna say i've seen juneteenth celebrated more here is it that's interesting yeah. that's interesting there was a another juneteenth movie which i'll remind myself of later in order to um, just shout out that I did watch like a, a few years ago. Actually, I'm sending a screener. Miss Juneteenth. That was the film. Mm. It's um, It was a 2020 um, American film and eh, it was directed by Channing Godfrey Peoples. And now there's like a whole kind of spread of, again, like we're talking about with the indie type of, you know, filmmakers, I actually thought this was a brilliant film and um, it's a film that basically follows like the, it follows like a single mother, a single mother who was like the former Miss Juneteenth pageant winner. And like, if you win the pageant, it like offers a full scholarship to a historically black college. And like, so she's trying to encourage her daughter to take up her same kind of footsteps, but then it starts to show the trauma of even experiencing something like that, trying to attain something in order to become something else. And yeah, I just thought it was a really, really interesting film. It showed like the different types of relationships, um, even the troubles with stuff like, like co-parenting or, dating whilst you know not being with the parent of your your child like yeah so many different like topics explored and the usual of the racial trauma and everything is actually not explored there and i just thought yeah this is another thing that was important to point out alongside this other juneteenth inspired movie 
Yeah, yeah it's interesting how we're seeing more Juneteenth talk. Like, it's weird. Globalisation obviously makes the world smaller, but I never knew what that, like, what the celebration was. I'd never heard of it. And, like, there is more talk and things about it than I'd ever realised. Yeah. Like, it's, it's interesting. What, who's your favourite character from the film? You know what? I would say, I would say it was a toss up between Dwayne and uh, what's the other lady's name? I think it was the other lady from what do you call it now? Uh, not Issa Rae's Insecure, Ex Mayo. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's not into into no, it's not. It was oh, wrong misidentification. But yeah, no, I thought she was. I thought she was brilliant. Like it was just like those little moments, those little switch ups, and my man who played who was in um, Snowfall as well. I thought he was really good, Melvin Greg. Greg. <laughs> Greg I, I generally enjoyed so many of the actors. Mm-hmm. It was interesting that Jay Farrow was in it because, like, growing up, Jay Farrow, I mainly know him from, like, YouTube clips of him, like, doing impressions. Yeah, yeah. And, like, I get really, really proud when I see, like, people I've seen off, like, Vine, YouTube, all of this, make it all the way to films, like, because it just shows that you can make your own way type thing, right? And, like, like I said, it used to go viral all the time from mm-hmm. doing, like radio tours where he's doing presses like Jay-Z and like most definitely that yeah. now all of a sudden he is you know in a film like a bigger film than I've seen like he's got a filmography and like I'm looking at it right now and there's some films in it that I've seen but like yeah, this is a really for me a, a bigger role and I like I like that to continue man I like to see more of like the Twitch stars and YouTube stars who have a genuine interest of acting Mm-hmm. make their way like to that world like i, I think, think yeah they definitely they definitely deserve that and also shout out to jermaine fowler man he played clifton and i've seen him in so many so many films and even to just look at his filmography and the things that he's he's been a part of this guy has he's played a part in bojack horseman Friends of the People, Robot Robot Chicken, Family Guy. He's done like a lot of like cartoon based stuff, but he's eventually transitioned into being an actor. And I think one of his first proper roles was Sorry to Bother You. Mm. And he also was in Judas and the Black Messiah. He's been in part of RuPaul drag, RuPaul's Drag Race, like All Stars. And yeah, The Blackening is just one of four different films that came out for him in 2022. So this this guy has been kind of like putting in putting in work, putting in a lot of work in fact. And That's yeah, nice. I just I just like seeing I like seeing actors who have such a like a widespread and a and a resume. I feel like this is a type of actor that will go down as a legend. But yeah, like profiles man. I think eventually someone will come up come across a spread of these type of actors and then put them in those bigger films, which are happening. Like big, bigger budgets are are a thing now. Like we've been seeing so many big productions like um 
I would even say recently, nope. Even though the budget wasn't the largest, to have the actors that they can draw for something like that, you know what I mean? It's it's mm. amazing. It's mad. It's it's, it's sick because when you think about it, back to our independent film uh, talk and talking mm. of black films, Zach. Get Out is technically an independent film. Yeah. And that managed to, to propel Julian Peele to have films with much larger budgets and be able to do much bigger things. And yeah. I think it's sick to see the scope of independent films that are getting funded now. Like yeah. I said, what the blackening shows is the scope of blackness. I guess that is not the... It, it's not the direct theme, but I think it's a part of it, right? Like, the joke is that... The joke is you die when you play the game if you don't know the right answers because you're quote-unquote not black enough. And, like, black independent films are changing. They're growing so much. Like, you can have a film like Moonlight, which, again, I don't think could have existed before mm-hmm. 2010, maybe. Like, not, yeah. in, the, not in the wide stream, way, uh, the wide, wider consciousness, mainstream way that it did when we saw Moonlight, or there was a trailer for a film I saw last night called Brother, which I think has also been released in America and Canada. It's a Canadian film about Jamaican immigrants growing up like in the 90s when hip-hop is growing. And, like, yeah, there's some gang stuff in there, but that is not the... That's not the be-all and end-all. Like, it's really a story about a mother and her sons and two brothers who are guiding each other through life, right? And it's like, these stories are as important as the things that we value and talk about. We're going to talk about Top Boy next week, yeah? Mm-hmm. And it's a double-edged sword because I love Top Boy. I think Top Boy is one of the greatest black shows to ever come through the UK. And obviously, it's hard to call it just a black show because it was written by an Irishman. He was mm-hmm. uh, a journalist. He went to go see certain things in Hackney. and was like, no, this is make it cool show so like you can't quantify it as simply black but the amount of black people in it the amount of stories it tells that are based on real people all of this that fundamentally is a black show yeah and you have to give it its plaudits but at the same time we don't want to be trapped into only having that one facet of blackness on the media like we don't want to just see gang stuff yeah like because there's more to it we know so many people are not just gangsters now, if you want to do the gang thing, if you want to do the crime thing, why don't we talk about forces? Like, if you mm-hmm. know people who bang F, like, and make good money and live a good life. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk about, like, you know, people who are in sports? Let's have a... There's a great uh, play right now called Red Pitch, which is all about um guys trying to make it in football academy. Like, you know mm-hmm. people like that. How about, like, how about you stop giving away your golden ideas? Yeah. No, I'm not, I'm not going to write these stories. I have my own stories to write, and I know what I'm going to write. It's not any of these, but what I mean is there is so much that can and should be written. Like, I, I do agree with you, though. And that's going... <laughs> just to interject one small point, like I was saying earlier, that's why it's important for me to tell, oh, look, these people, their stories that you can tell, the stories that only come from your perspective and your direction that other mm. people can't produce... And when it is produced in a way and you do have that humanistic appeal, like it exposes so much more that people can learn from. And that's how things like the films we've talked about today get produced and TV shows. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it's sick to see how many different things are being done. So it's, yeah. it's so interesting to me that the blackening is 
um, directed by the guy who directed, I think his name is Tim Story, he directed yeah. Barbershop. Mm-hmm. And like, it's so mad to me that like, it's almost full circle. Like he did a film like exactly. Barbershop, which is a seminal, seminal black film. Like mm-hmm. it is like, you can't even, you can't talk about black films, especially coming from the US and ignore Barbershop. It's this very specific type of film without yeah. mentioning that film. And it's like, to go from that to doing something like uh, The Blackening and having worked on things like Ride Along as well, which are all very different types of films. Right. I'm just quite proud. Like, I'm he, quite proud. Even, maybe... Even done the on. first two Fantastic Fours, bro. Mm. Like, so, yeah, his his resume is actually is actually crazy. And even, yeah. like, the, one of the new... Because I feel like Shaft has been redone, like, three, four times. But I think he's done the latest one. And this, like, that's what I mean. Like, let's... And this doesn't extend to this blackness yet, but let's stop remaking things, bro. And there's yeah. so many other things that we can do. I'm excited. This afternoon, I'm going to finish uh, Day Clone Tyrone. I know you finished it. Mm. Um, great, great. I enjoyed a modern black exploitation film. Mm-hmm. I know there's I'm a Virgo right now on Amazon, mm-hmm. which I almost, which I also watched. Sorry, directed by Bootsy Collins and written by who I really enjoy as well. Like, we can make modern black exploitation films and still have these genres. We don't have to go and remake something that Shaft full time. Like you can yeah. write a whole new story. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, like you can write a story about what. In fact, that is a good idea. So I'm not going to give it. I think but I think it, the sh- the shaft thing's got it's got so much life because of Barry White. Yeah, you know what I mean. He blessed them with with a timeless classic. Like how many timeless classics are there when it comes to music that imprint so much that it's like it, it's just it's reusable. I'm not even sure of those new new um. New renditions of Shaft and his and his story, like use a new song. It's not like there's been a rap Shaft song. It's like, and you know the ones when they try to modernize it and they go for the most yeah. popular genre. Like, it's not been adapting. It's consistently say the same. What was the film uh, that Future did the film theme tune for? Damn. Was it Superfly? Yeah, I think they've been yes. Superfly, you know. Yeah, I think it was. I found that interesting because normally I'm against when they try and um, remake stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I think getting someone like Future, yeah, and this is going to sound so, so insane, yeah. But Curtis Mayfield is one of one. You're not going to get another Curtis Mayfield. He is seminal to black people of that generation and he is almost like a marker in that time. Future is his peer in terms of being a marker in that time for black people. Like, if you took black people from 2011, maybe 2012 to now, Future has music that encapsulates our experience. And I'm not, that is not me saying Future's level with Curtis Mayfield. That's not me saying that. It's just saying that he is the guy like Curtis Mayfield was. Like, you have to go to someone like Future if you want to make a theme tune that makes sense that that actually fits because the original had the iconic Curtis Mayfield who was our current iconic star who can make some songs with such feeling and with the same kind of feelings as well that has to be future I might watch that again today man 
Yeah, man, that's sick. That is very, very sick. Yeah, man. I I do like I do like black exploitation films. I'm you not know, sure. You know what? I, I just even realized. Like, sorry to cut you off, but Barry White didn't even. He done one. He done run rendition of the theme song for Shaft. Is Isaac Hayes is the original writer and singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Damn, so I Isaac Hayes, R.I.P. R.I.P. Rest in peace to the both of them, man. Yeah, I should have corrected you on that, but I actually forgot about that because I definitely knew that because obviously <laughs> he was um the iconic, iconic, iconic um chef on South Park. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, man, like this is. I just feel like we're just we yeah, are we're in such a, a time where I expect I expect ingenuity when it comes to black films and it comes to our stories because I literally see it as a gold mine. It's mm. it's like a it's like a mine that hasn't been fracked for all of its materials and it's just there and I use that analogy of the mines because I feel like there's some things that shouldn't be mined. There's some resources that should be left alone to the earth and you don't want to kind of pollute the setting. So maybe if if like the trap or gangster genre was like an ore, maybe it has been mined too much and we've started to hit some kind of core issues within the community when it comes to portraying ourselves. Because yeah, it leans into so many different things as to ways to be. You know, and, and yeah, exist. man, but yeah, because um, I, I wouldn't say, say, um, like, I think that's a good analogy of it being mine too much, right? Like, like, you don't want to sometimes you want sparsity of the material because it makes it more rare. If anyone could go outside and just pick up a diamond, yeah, like off the floor, then diamonds would not be mm-hmm. worth what they are, right? And like, I enjoy trap music, I enjoy gangster films. We've been on this podcast talking about love for paid in full and how a uh, paid in full sorry and how it's um, <laughs> underrated and all of this stuff like so this is not me saying yo we need to do other films let's not talk about this like i'm talking about films like i love bullet boy because i think bullet boy is an amazing portrayal of that lifestyle like i just think i love i love top boy for the same reason it's cash i just think there's other stories that should be told and we should give the same amount of love and light yeah. I don't want to project too much onto the blackening because, like, I love it for all of these external reasons, but I do want to let you know that's a funny and a fun film. And as yeah. soon as it's on streaming, or if it is on streaming already, watch it with your friends, sit down, have a laugh, have a drink, partake in whatever you partake in, and, like, you know, have fun. Yeah. Life is serious, so you don't always have to be serious. You get it? Mm-hmm. And you know what? If I could just add to that last point of, of Bullet Point, Bullet Boy, like in my rewatch, that's exactly the impression I got from the film. It didn't film like the it didn't feel like the conventional kind of gangster film. And um obviously watching it when I was younger I feel like I was much more concentrated on the lifestyle, the kind of culture and the imposition that it has through the like the little little situations and interactions because it's like I was even just thinking that as like um like Ashadi's character hits or his friend hits like my man's um he hits like his his car buses his, mm-hmm. his wing mirror and it's like that little kind of interaction 
within this community goes to that extent. If it's in another community, maybe, well, definitely a middle-class one, it's probably just an, an exchange of insurance details and doesn't get to a point of, of violence that ultimately leads to where it is. But even then, it starts off in a situation where he's just being released from jail. It doesn't say what he's done. He's just a youth that's been released from jail and is trying to get back onto his feet and falls back into like the trap of his circumstances. And yeah, like that is a whole different way of interpreting it. And I feel like we've we've always definitely had these type of that type of films like um uh like a higher learning boys in the hood. Um yeah, mm-hmm. that type of impression where they do have that. But yeah, now I think we can explore much more parts of the community and culture. I think people sometimes, I think, and it's our fault, we're young, but sometimes we forget the important messages that are in these shows, right? So that, and in these films. So that you're saying, um, Boys in Hood, where it's got the gentrification bit at the beginning, yeah? That to me is the most important part of the film. That it sets out instantly trying to tell you, yo, these are the reasons why we're here, these are the factors. But you end up remembering the film for them being in a lowrider and busting out shotgun. And Ricky yeah. getting shot, like, hey, like that's that's what you end up remembering. But it's like it's so much more than that. That is a consequence yeah. of the catalyst. And yeah, man, like, mm-hmm. and that just even tell good stories. It shows you like the different types of characters from that er- area as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or those types of situations and how they all actually even kind of support each other. You know, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a sad one. But yeah, man, like, um, I think the last point we should probably talk about is, yeah, just Top Boy, thoughts on, on Top Boy. I know it's being released like later on in the week and we would love to just, I don't know, I, I it's the, it's the final season and I feel like I know, I know how it's, how it should probably end up. I, I am expecting a few expectations but I, 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 I don't know. I, I just feel a bit. I feel a bit in like an empty space with it at the moment. It's a weird one. I loved the return season, right? So season one, two, and three. Yeah, I think are amazing. Yeah. I think season four or season two, if you're a Netflix watcher, yeah. Yeah. Because obviously separated Top Boy Summer House and then Top Boy, but whatever, yeah. The, the latest, the last season, I think was incredibly flawed. It was fun, mm-hmm. but like the re- thing that made season three so great to me, yeah, is was that even if you know, even though they separated it and they said you know the original Top Boy Summer House and this is Top Boy, season three tied in all of the storylines, yeah, characters from season one even, and like with some amazing dialogue like amazing performances all of this and it felt like almost like it, it had gone full circle like if they had ended on that season I probably would have felt like yo like I get it like time is a circle like the new guys have come in they're never like really going to be top boy and I think ultimately it will still end like that but I want them to avoid the mistakes and flaws of season four like don't don't put in so much into making it bigger like them randomly going to Jamaica or like, like I get it, he was on the run or them going to Spain to like build the drugs. I get all of these things, yeah. 
But the things that were happening in and amongst that made it get obviously a little bit unrealistic. And I'm not saying that Top Boy is the most realistic thing ever, but there was a gritty element of realism that made me love it, yeah? I hope in this season, obviously Steph is going to turn to the roads because he lost his big brother. His other brother's gone uni. Like, I get that, yeah, but I still want to see it. I still want to see, like, other stories be told. And I still want to see some of the tender moments that I see in season three and even one and two. Like, I hope some people make it out. I'm really excited for Barry Keogh. He's one of my favourite actors, full stop. Like, him being in there is a great coup for them. 100%. That is super exciting. Barry is something... He's something phenomenal, man. I know Mm -hmm. he's going to just... He's already doing big things and he's going to go on to do bigger and better things. And I think in this final season, he probably definitely heard about it being his, this being his final season. I wouldn't be surprised if he reached out and said that he wanted to to be in it. You know, mm-hmm. but like, um, not even to to understate what Top Boy is because it's, it's I think it's changed the game for us. It's, it's yeah. put a, a perspective and you know me, like during the the times when the revamp was even coming out, I was even kind of of critical, like me in my kind of creative sense, like I was asking for more of a spread of a representation. But they eventually did do that in the the Netflix seasons, and it mm-hmm. became much more of a, a fuller a, a fuller show. And I think my expectations for this season would be to to wrap up some of those stories, but there's also in some of those stories that I only kind of see like a, a dark end, you know what I mean? And so it's yeah. like, I have an expectation of X, Y, and Z going to happen. It's just depends on who and how and why. And I'm hoping they really, I'm hoping they really surprise me. And um, yeah. Ultimately I'm, I'm, there I'm can't be a happy ending, surprised. right? Yeah, it they can't, can't be happy because this is a this is a crime story, and like, there's only like, you know, let's say real gangsters are a dead or in jail, right? Like, so mm. they're either gonna go in circles, and like, there's gonna be new kids, and yeah. you're just gonna see them fade out, or you know, people are gonna get blamed. Like, but I hope that they do it where it closes some loops, so there's some stories we don't have to worry about anymore. Yeah, like I'd like to know what happened to my man. You know, my man, he basically was gonna snitch. Um. <sighs> Yeah. And they had his son, like, actually, no, he did snitch, didn't he? Did he? He got blamed, didn't it? Oh, wow. I yeah, forgot, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was my right, boy, he... man. He was the smartest you on end. He, should have, he needed a good 120K tech job, man. You're telling me he had all the CCTV in end. He had access yeah. to all of the weaponry. He managed to do all of the car stuff, fix up everyone's cars, change the plates, all of this. He was actually a tech genius. He set up security systems for everyone. You're telling me he couldn't have just got a Got a job at IBM. That's what I'm saying. Like, where's the community outreach from these IT companies, bro? This guy is literally a tech genius, and you got him getting blamed because you weren't offering him a 120k tech job. Like, come that on, is, that is like, hilarious. We said, yeah, where all the tech companies? Why aren't they reaching them out? Reaching out, bro, giving, you know what I mean? Some contractual work, bro. Bro, big man team. Like, like what two racks a day on some of these these places, bro. Fam, he could have been a contractor. Mad contractor, yeah, yeah. Like I think, obviously, w- with this, it always tries to make like a there's like a limited kind of 
there's a limited framework in which they can they can or they try to work with and I feel like this is why and again no slight to Top Boy because it's definitely exceeded my expectations from like the first two original um, seasons and um, yeah it's just it's just no slight but the wire the expanse and the spread of the wire really dived into every element of what was going on even the seasons in which there was like like the undercover nitties for example I'm feeling yep. like if that's the if that's the wire not only do we know their undies we probably see the whole network that has put together what what made them go in that way and what why they learned how they learned what they learned in order to be there exposes all of that to show how people get to this point even like from a journalistic perspective from the docking perspective the school children's perspective like Uh yeah but obviously when it comes to budget story trying to stick to the elements that made Top Boy what it's what it is it's compact and it it tells enough but I think yeah there's definitely space for more of a story I just don't think they'll be able to condense those newer stories into the final season but yeah I just think the final season will be Duchesne versus Scully versus Sully (laughs) for a majority of it up until a point where they probably come together to face the bigger bad and then they may duke it out or one of them or both of them get got as they probably should it's going to be interesting man I think some episodes of Top Boy I've seen are some of like the most beautiful British TV I've seen I'll, I'll be honest like the one where Sully's at the beach with my man and the house catcher fire with, with Jason like crazy yeah that that 10 out of 10 like yeah, yeah. That, that hit I had lumps in my throat literally yeah and I just think as long as they just did justice I want it to go to its strongest possible ever version like of what it is I've I've seen amazing things from Top Boy and I want it to stay at that level I'm probably going to have to watch it all tomorrow so other people don't ruin it for me. Yeah, it's that's also another shame. Like, I really, really miss just watching shows weekly and having that discussion about that episode because I think you miss so much detail. I, I feel mm-hmm. like back in the day, you didn't used to need to have Easter eggs and stuff because people would actually be like, okay, cool, this show's just coming out. This episode, it's not like I can binge it and then it shows shows a flashback or a recap mm-hmm. at the start of the episode, and I could I can watch I can watch it to familiarize myself again. It wasn't that you're just there with your whatever your your forty five minutes spread over like fifty five because it's a it's a TV, and yeah, you go in to wherever you're going, a school workplace, and you just talk about that episode, and you can talk about that episode alongside. 10 others in that capacity. Like, some people might watch them all. Some people might watch a few of them. Like, remember, tangent, but remember when the big three were going back-to-back, back-to-back yeah, yeah. in that, like, school? Like, big three, if you guys didn't know, it is um, Naruto, Bleach, and One Piece. And um, I can't even tell you, because they kept changing their days, but there was, there was a time when, like, on... 
uh, like a Tuesday, Naruto would drop and a Wednesday, Bleach would drop. And then mm-hmm. like um, by the weekend, instead of it being a Sunday, it would be like One Piece has already dropped. And it's like constantly watching those back to back, prime TV, prime anime <laughs> TV and everything. Yeah. It's like that for everything, literally. So I feel like we're missing that. And Top Boy, in his final season as well, I think it's a shame. That it's, it's a shame, not- man. Yeah. Water cooler, water cooler culture, isn't it? So it's um, Sad, it's like you want you want everybody to sit at um, you want everybody to sit and talk about your show. It makes it live longer. Even the the example I always use, yeah, mm-hmm. is, is um, is EastEnders. Like, see, when you're young, yeah, them mad episodes of EastEnders that someone would get. Yep. Like, Phil brought a gun out on the square and blamed someone. And you've never seen a gun <laughs> on TV before 9pm. Yeah, yeah. Or yep. Ian Bill said a cuss word. And all he said was bastard. But obviously, like, that's a mad thing. Like, you're waiting to go to school the next day and be like, wow, did you know what she said this last night? That is actually? so funny. Do you yep. get it? Like, that is major, 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 like, <laughs> things. And it's like, I feel like, um, yeah, I feel like, um, we miss that thing of like going to the next place. Like, I miss watching the episode, even with Hijack recently. We were talking about Hijack. The best thing about Hijack mm-hmm. is in our chat, it's me, you, CJ, Ross, and Mariah. We'd watch Hijack yeah. and then we all come to the chat the next day and be like, yo, even with Succession, that's what makes Succession so great. Like the next day, we made a separate chat because Jude hadn't watched it and we would all chat in it the day after Succession. Be like, bruh, did you see last night's episode? This happened. But like that is a big part of television. Like, it helps it stay interactive and it helps you build fandoms, community, people get attached to characters. I just feel like they really missed something by not doing that with Top Boy. Top Boy yeah. is the perfect show to do that with because you've captured the younger zeitgeist and also Americans love it too. Americans are super into Top Boy. So if oh. you were dropping it week by week, you're going to have something that, similar to that Snowfall and Power where online people are just like every week, everyone's like, yo, I can't wait for the next episode because this mad thing happened. Like, oh, this cliffhanger they left us on. Da, da, da. You can rebuild that. But uh, yeah, what they choose to do is what they choose to do, I guess. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a wild decision, but I think they will ultimately regret it. And you know what? I also, it's weird. Um, I saw a point earlier. On my days, we forgot to chat about this. But I think maybe we should we should chat about this next week. One Piece, the TV show. Like, I want to actually get Ross in because I know he's going to oh, yeah, watch a few, watching. a few. Um, yeah, he's watching a few episodes now. So I think it'll be really interesting to get the perspective of someone who hasn't seen it because my one is already tainted, and no matter how hard I've I've tried, I can't remove a type of lens that I have with this content. I feel like you're you're hundred percent more fairer on live action than I am, or specifically this. Do you know what it is, yeah? My thing, my thing, yeah, specifically on this one, there's two things, yeah. One, Odo is directly involved in it. Two, it has a significant budget, and three, the thing that is really moving me is other people's feeling towards it. Like I've got a friend called Zach who does not watch anime. Like you might watch something if me and my boy Alton speak in the group chat, bear about an anime. Like when we're talking about like. Um, Demon Slayer. We're talking about Demon Slayer for like two months. Zach might be like, you know what? I'll check it out. Like, and he's only recently started doing that. 
we've been Alton just got into One Piece, yeah. So we've been he's obviously traversing through the stories of One Piece, and every like twenty chapters, he's like, "Wow, this is mad!" Da, da, da. I'm like, "Wow, wait until you get another ten chapters." Like, da, 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 <laughs> and it's like literally every other day. So obviously, the live adaptations come out it's on Netflix. Netflix, sorry. Um, Zach has seen it. And he's like, "You know what? I'm going to give it a try because I can't do a thousand and eighty episode of One Piece of anime, especially when I'm not that deep into anime anyway." So let me just watch this, like, get so far, and then maybe I'll jump into the anime if I love it. And he loves it. Like, he loves the live-action adaptation. And I'm, he's not the only one. I know a few people who've seen the live-action adaptation. They're like, this is so sick. Like, da -da -da. like, is this what anime is? And it's like, I'm like, yes and no. Because I'm with you. I don't love it the same way. Like, I put it on, mm. I've watched it, and I'm like, this is cool. I think I actually, even though I've gotten to you to, to, to let it breathe and to let them enjoy it, yeah? mm -hmm. I think I probably like to watch it less than you. Like you're actually getting straight enjoyment from watching it, even though you, yeah. you still felt that way. I, I can barely watch it. Like I put it on each night, and I end up <laughs> it. like, like it's not for me. Yeah? yeah, but I've never liked live action adaptation besides Zone One Hundred on Netflix, yeah. which is an amazing adaptation, and Alice in Borderland. I don't like many live action adaptations, but I do appreciate this one. Like I think mm -hmm. the casting is really good. I think the way they've tried to bring the world to life is really good. But yeah. the thing I like about anime is, inversely to what I said about Top Boy, yeah, Top Boy and stuff like this is real life, right? And it's supposed to be based on real stuff, yeah? So even mm -hmm. though I'm like, you can get ridiculous and maximalist, like with stuff like Fast and Furious, with stuff like Top Boy, you want a little element of realism. Like you want it to feel like this could be real, right? And you yeah. can never really do that with live action anime, like mm -hmm. because Buggy the Clown could not exist in real life. Like there's never going to be someone who can separate all their limbs into the flying. And when they yeah. do it in live action, it just looks stupid. Like it honestly just looks stupid. Like, but with anime, because I'm reading it and it's cartoons and all of this, I can kind of imagine it. So when that barrier separates, I'm kind of like you. I find it struggle to reconcile it. Yeah. Whereas if you've never been into it, I'm sure that it looks sick. And you probably love it, yes. like like I'm saying in the case of my boy Zach. So it's a tough one. I don't want to be like I said. I'm, I'm not harsh on it. If people watch the live action and they like it, it encourages them to get into more anime. Yeah. You like it? I love it. Am I gonna yeah. watch it myself all the time? Probably not. I'll probably put it on all the time. Like now, I've got to clean my house in it. I'll probably put slap on one piece, clean my house because then the background I recognize certain bits. But it's not gonna be like a show that. I religiously watch and get too into. But yeah, and I, I hear all of that. But did you did you hear about <laughs> did you did you hear about why it can't go on for that long? No, because when it gets to gear four times, it's just gonna look. Mm -mm. You can't. It can't get to gear four. Like Luffy as a character, it, it just can't. It can't get that far. You know what I mean? It would look, I look crazy. You. There was there was also there was a, a picture someone done on on. Fo <laughs> I found it, so I'm about to send this to you because I feel like people need to understand. Understand the measure as if if you want that. Do you want that? I think I hear people saying this here, like it can't go on because it might look ridiculous here. But, but at like, the same time, they can change it up. Yeah, like, I grew up on comics, yeah, and I thought the same thing about a lot of comic things mm -hmm. and comic shows. 
but I'm starting to really enjoy comic adaptations. So yeah, yeah, man. I think I think maybe there's room for it if it's done really well. It's going to be hard, but yeah. Did you see it? Did you see the thing I sent? It's, Let me look. It's in it's in the Zenkos chat. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay. Because <laughs> I feel like you said that before you clicked it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It would look crazy. Like Gear Three would look crazy. Like. I I yeah. acknowledge it, but I think Buggy looks crazy. Like I said, yeah. I, I think I think those things there. Yeah, I think it's on us as people who are fans of the medium before, and we can't reconcile that that kind of that imagination, how cool it looks in manga, as opposed to what it looks like when you try and make it realistic. But like I said, the fun of manga and anime is that sometimes it's unrealistic. So we have to make that leap ourselves. I don't know. It's hard. Yeah. It's weird that the best live action adaptations are just usually low budget fun things made on YouTube by like yeah. people in university. I find that yeah. so interesting. How do they capture the spirit so much? I feel like that is in a weird way, that might be the new kind of that might be the new type of indie wave. The self content makers who are much more passionate about the form of storytelling or the story that they're telling than anyone else would be. So, for example, to draw on everything, everywhere, all at once, again, the reason why... I love that film for so many reasons, and I've spoken about them a million times, but one of the things I always say about this film is it felt like a compilation of the best short films I've ever seen. Like, Mm. you know... You know me that like, I love I love like short films and sometimes I'll just have like a short film kind of a short film run for myself. So one um, site I use is Short of the Week, and yeah, yeah, yeah. You put me onto that like ten yeah, years ago. Short of the Week is is amazing, and I'll literally just like watch so many short films, one after the other, so many different types of genres. And everything, everywhere, all at once was directed by the Daniels, who, if I'm not mistaken, they've produced a few short films themselves. And yeah, it was just like the creativity when it comes to the film techniques that they used, the budget that they had, the editing, the care for the product. It's now become a film that I think is generational, it's legendary, it's Ooh. it's a modern day classic, it's re-imagine the genre of the now kind of established established genre of the multiverse when it comes to filmmaking and stuff. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that impressionable. And mm-hmm. I think that's what that's what we should be aiming for. Compact stories that are just rolling and you can roll in and it keeps you yeah, it just keeps you engaged with the story at hand. And I feel like the best stories have that. Again, even The Wire, The Wire, everything, it kind of bounced together. Sometimes it felt like the point was just a ball bouncing in the middle of nowhere and there was no end goal. But by the end of the season, you're like, oh, okay, that's why that scene relates to this and that's what the power in that scene was. You know? Mm-hmm. I, I think there will never be a film like everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, I just hope it inspires diverse storytelling as opposed to people trying to remake certain things. Yeah. 
Yeah. Like, that is the issue. Like, we've, we've spoken about on the show before with, with big, what's the term? Um, with big companies and corporations, they see the success or something, and rather than thinking, oh, this worked because of the technique that was used making it, they think, oh, no, we need to copy exactly what was done and try and redo it. And it's like, it doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. But, but yeah, yo, man. Top I boy next. Top boy, top boys next. We've we've podded today. We were just yeah. We've had a lot to talk about, and it's mad because I feel like if Ross and CJ were here, because of how long we've been away from talking, we would have probably been able to pod for like three hours. But yeah, mm. man. I think um, we've given them enough for today. I I definitely want to to talk about like one piece again and a few of the other themes that we picked at like um the contrast between the indie film in in comparison to the hollywood film that has the same idea but not the budget and yeah definitely see what top by top boy turns out to be i think i might be asleep i'm gonna get an early night's sleep today so i won't be able to well, actually, tell a lie. It'll probably get to 12 and I'll be like, fuck it. One or two episodes might not hurt. And then I'll do that. It's tonight, yeah? It's tonight, bro. As soon as it hits 12, there's going to be a few men on Twitter with memes, with flipping videos of the show. Stop you that, you trying to catch episode one? I'm trying to catch episode three before it's spoiled for me. I'll be, I'll be <laughs> real. <laughs> no, but I mean, like, are you trying to watch episode one at midnight? Oh, okay. Um, I can do that. I'm on that. Yeah, I'm on it. Me. Yeah, shout fuck me, it. Let's me. do it. Let's do it. Uh, it's I'm a, on yeah, it's, a, it's an Uber session. It's an Uber home session. Let's, Working let's from home, baby. Well, I'm excited for this, man. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for this just because I want it to end well. And like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. It'll be good. But next week, we review it. Hopefully, CJ's back. Ross might not be back. Ross is traveling all over the place. At the moment, I think Traveling he's got a in September. Okay. Yeah, man. So well, we'll we'll keep you locked in. We'll keep you. Plugged. We'll have to give him the short straw and give him something shit to watch again. Yeah, he'll have to watch something while he's traveling. Isn't it? That's his bad. That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell him to tell him to air his girl. Just ignore her. Potentially don't <laughs> exist and yeah, mess up the relationship for the pod. But yeah, man, let's it. do this. Let's do this. But yeah, Let bro, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's been a As pleasure. Always, Thank you lot for listening, for waiting. We'll try not to be gone that long again until probably Christmas. But, you know, we'll keep you updated. You know, yeah. and also keep your eyes open. You might be getting some more imagery soon, should I say. Like, hopefully. Hopefully by the end of the year, like, we'll have much more imagery for you. But, yeah, yeah we're keep working. that in mind. But, yeah, leave you with we're that. Working. Peace. Peace and love. Oh, here it goes. Sports Social Podcast Network.